burning, it's burning for you. Lance Bush is burning, it's burning for you. Welcome to another edition of Lens Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. So a few months ago, February the 26th to be exact, episode 99, I talked about baseball. Okay, America's pastime with Del Gaudio. I ranted about Major League Baseball locking out during a war, during a pandemic, and I said, you know, you got to get back to playing baseball, right? And they finally did. They finally agreed to start playing games in March and April, but they continue to give fans reasons to watch other sports. First, here in Cincinnati area, you have an owner that on opening day appeared to tell fans they had no choice but to accept the team's pare-down roster. Of course, then he apologized later, and, you know, he just kept going. He was quoted after fans wanted him to sell the team. Bob Castellini, who is the owner, said, well, where are you going to go? You know, let's start there. I mean, sell the team to who? That's the other thing you want to have in this debate. You want to look at what you could do with the team to be more profitable, make more money, and compete more in the current economic system that this game exists for, right? So it would be to pick up and move somewhere else. And, of course, if they move somewhere else, then, you know, you'll watch them, but you maybe watch them on TV. But it is the ability to watch games on TV that is an utter utter nightmare these days try even finding like postseason games on tv it'll take you 10 to 15 minutes to figure out what night tbs has what night fox has and it just gets a little bit crazy when i was a kid they showed the games on abc nbc and cbs and alternated every year it was pretty easy to figure out there were actual world series games that started at 3 30 in the afternoon So the kids could actually watch the game after school, and some kids would watch them in school or listen to the games on the radio. That is a a great concept for, for kids actually getting back into the game. Now, recently, MLB has experimented with Apple TV, and now most recently the Yankees have come up with this idea to put games on Amazon Prime, take them off local TV to put the games on. But the Yankees actually sent out an email They actually did this. They sent out an email to their fans with instructions on how they could actually watch the games on Amazon Prime. How good is this for baseball? It may be good for Apple and Amazon Prime members, but what about the people that don't have this service? If baseball really wants to get fans back, they need to put all the games back on local TV again, okay? When I was a kid before big sports channels on cable, games appeared on the local TV channel, WPIX in New York, I remember the Yankees were always on there. It was actual rabbit ears. You didn't need cable for it. You could get it without, and it was great, right? And But now, you pay $200 a month for cable and internet, and there's no guarantee, even with that, that you're going to be able to watch any of these games. I mean, I get the MLB subscription because I want to watch the Yankees, okay? But I can't watch the Reds games. Believe it or not, I cannot watch any Reds games at all. Uh, My provider, Dish Network, does not carry Bally Sports Ohio. And because the games are blacked out on the MLB app, I can't even watch it on the Bally app because it asks you, who's your provider? And it's not listed, of course, because they don't carry it. So maybe it's good that the Reds have lost 10 games in a row, but the bottom line is I can't watch it. The other thing is afternoon games, especially on the weekends, okay? The NFL, which is 
made billions, almost trillions of dollars. They play most of their games at 1 and 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Now, I know they've got the evening game on Sunday and Monday and Thursday, which they keep just going back to the well. But why can't baseball go back to the old days and show more afternoon games? Night baseball, especially in April, is ridiculous, especially on the East Coast where you see players with hand warmers and hoodies, and it's just ridiculous. I love baseball and thought, you know, that the players and owners ending this lockout, that everything would be fixed. But it hasn't been fixed at all. There's nothing like attending an afternoon baseball game. If you haven't done it, it is an awesome experience. Get out there with your family, have a $10 hot dog and a $20 beer. You know, again, overpriced, but it's a great experience to be able to do that. To You know, and how about this, okay? You know, TV makes these games at night, right? They want the games at night. How about a concept that would be great? Give the fans what they want for a change. Make the games available in the afternoon and maybe be able to watch the games for free. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. She is a certified professional co-active coach, nonprofit management and fundraising consultant. She's a national speaker. She also hosts an awesome podcast called The Cause Coach. Please welcome to the podcast today the lovely Mary Connolly, my friend. And Mary, how are you? It's great to talk to you. And I, I, I just I know I sound like that curmudgeon, you know, get off my lawn, but I just I can't take it anymore. They just make things, they're so stupid. Well, Len, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here, and I, I, I just love reconnecting with you because we go back, I don't know, what, like a few years, some years. Yeah, something like that. Um, And, and of course, I came on to talk about running because that's what my podcast is all about. Oh, of course. But there is running in baseball, so this is a nice crossover. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I could not agree with you more, especially on those daytime games. Yeah. One of my, most favorite, favorite memories from childhood. I was in, it was the B, it was uh, October of eighth grade and the Yankees and the Red Sox came up tied at the end of the season and played this amazing playoff game in which of course the Yankees won. So I'm, I'm, I'm a great memory of that and Bucky Dent's famous home run. But what was so unique about that now, like looking looking back on the way things are now, is that it was an afternoon game. That game started while I was like in social studies class. And I remember the teacher saying, um, you know, reading a word uh, on the page and it said, you know, it was like, like Yankee or something like that. So uh, the the uh, the teacher said, let's let's turn on the game. So we turned on the game in our classroom and then we listened to it on our transistor radios on the school bus going home. And then when I got home, I was watching the game. And of course, when the you know, the home run was hit, I was calling my friends and it was, I mean, we were part of that, but if that had been a night game, you know, yeah. I probably would have been in bed. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny and, and, um, looking at this and again, I, I sound like this, you know, again, old, old person who likes things the way, um, the way it was. And of course I do, but that being said, I remember in the nineties, the world series game, um, this was Atlanta or playoff game. It was Atlanta and Pittsburgh, I believe in the, um, in the national league championship series, the game was over like about 1230. And one of the guys got a, a hit and won the game. And I don't remember who it was exactly, but I remember at that moment, I'm saying 
there's not one kid up watching this game. Yeah. And it's just wrong. I mean, because I remember, you know, again, in the 70s, there was the, the Yankees played a couple 330 World Series games. Also, when I refer to that, you know, 1977 and 78, they put a lot of the games on at night. But it didn't seem like the games would end at, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. It was a little bit earlier. And I remember Reggie Jackson hitting the three home runs in the 77 World Series. But if you don't have kids watching today, you're not going to keep your fan base. They, they've got me, but that they've lost. I mean, anybody that's 30 years old and below don't really care about baseball. And, you know, baseball is, is probably the one. I mean, maybe soccer has taken over now, but baseball is that one sport that kids always played growing yeah. up. So they understand the fundamentals of it. So it's very easy for them to follow uh, you know, what the pros are doing, you know, it, you know, other sports might be a little bit more complicated. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I was a teenager before I really understood f- football, you know, because <laughs> yeah. uh, I never played, you know, I played basketball, I played softball. Uh, but, but, you know, you, you understand the, the fundamentals of baseball, and it makes it very easy for kids to follow. But I mean, it really has, I mean, there's, like, just the commercial breaks, and, you know, the, crazy sponsorships i mean every second of the game has a sponsor you know uh that it it just it has become a little more unwatchable and of course the whole system has gotten more complicated i have like four remote controls sitting (laughs) over there on the coffee table and i have no idea how to use any of them like i i actually asked my husband to turn the television on for me (laughs) well it's because used to be you had one box right you subscribed to cable and you got all your channels now you got apple tv you got amazon prime you got things are airing on hulu and netflix and i can't remember disney plus and uh all these other services hbo max and you got like 70 different things what i do is i buy a roku tv and it's got all the channels built in and i could just use one remote because I, I get it. You know, you're sitting there, um, you know, even with me, even the one remote for the TV still has to have another one because you got the Dish Network remote and you've got, you know, stuff like that that you've got to air through the satellite. But you pay all this money. I mean, people pay as much for like a one-bedroom apartment as they do for like <laughs> cellular service, internet, phone, whatever they've got, and cable, and they still got to pay, you know, $14 a month for Amazon Prime, and they still got to pay $10 a month for Hulu, and you know Netflix is losing subscribers, and this one is on that. But there's certain shows that you want to watch, and you got to – it's like they, they've made it into where cutting the cord is a pain in the, in the tuchus. As yeah. I like to say, yeah, yeah, it's just and, and yeah, and then and then the cost is just ridiculous. Like the you know, I I am paying. Well, we we are paying yeah. here more for all of these television channels than I paid my pay my first payment on my my first car. Yeah, thirty five no. years ago. I, if you would have told yeah. me that you would pay like five hundred dollars a month for your cell phone bill, your cable bill, and your internet bill, I mean. My parents, I remember moving to New Jersey. We didn't pay for that for an apartment a month. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's kind of oh, crazy yeah. how it's it's like we're wasting all this money, and then you can't find anything to watch. Or if you want to find something to watch, you have to have a specific, you know, you're watching like Ozark's coming up again, the final <laughs> season of Ozark, which I love Ozark. Uh, I don't know if Ozark you've watched it. Ozark was awesome, yeah. yes. So apparently it's coming back on the 29th, and it's on Netflix. So what does that mean? You've got to – Go to that other remote, and you got to find the Netflix, and you got to watch uh, Jason Baton, and uh, you know it, it is a great show. Uh, the birds awesome. are back, as they say. Yep. 
Um, so I can't wait for that. But it, there's just too many of this, and there's almost too much choices. I had an episode back, um, you know, when the early goings of the show, and we talked about too many choices. It's like when you go to a restaurant, make them keep the menu simple. Like I, I don't need seventy five different things, and don't put chicken fingers on the menu just because the kids are coming, right? Yeah. Well, I, I remember uh, when I was a, a young parent, somebody gave me the advice that if you take your kids into a restaurant, you know, pick two or three things that you know that they like and say, like, do you want the pizza? Do you want the hot dog? Do you want the chicken nuggets? Don't show them the menu. And, you know, because then they're never going to yeah. decide what what they want. Just I, give, you know, and I think that applies to all of us. Just like too many choices. Like I, I miss the days when, you know, when the major networks used to just decide what to, yeah. you know, what television was going to be available well, for me for that night. And I either watched it or I didn't. You know? It was like the funny thing, you know, the Saturday before Easter, you always watch the 10 commandments, right? It was always on ABC and whatever. And now it's like they're moving it or they're putting it on, you know, with the same thing with Charlie Brown, you got to watch it on Apple and this is on. It's like, I, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. I just, yeah, I actually gave up watching TV for a really long time uh, just because I had no interest in anything that was on. Um, and now I, yeah, especially during the pandemic, We've started, you know, binge watching. You bring up Ozark, you know, yeah. that. And, and now Better Call Saul is back. So yeah. we're watching that. And I'm kind of bummed that it's only like once a week because now I'm going to have to watch Ozark in the middle of Better Call Saul. And I really like just focusing on one thing at a time. I you know. know. Well, <laughs> they, they started to do that. Um, you know, the street, we, we liked the idea of the binge watching. And then Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I did an episode on this too, where they decided to do it weekly. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't, I, that's the way we used to, I don't want that. I, I don't want to wait. It's like blue bloods. I got to wait each week to watch it. And it's like, yeah. it's, I'm out. I want to, I want to watch it. I want to watch several episodes at a time and I want to be, be done with it. Anyway, you, you have, uh, created a conglomerate, I like to say, because, you know, between <laughs> between all the things you're doing, between your speaking and, you know, you, you're doing what you want to do. Um, you started with 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 running and, and, and exercising. And, you know, you've got a podcast out, The Cause Coach. And I, uh, you know, it's a great concept. And I, I, I love it. I listen to it. And I think, um, you you know, a lot better than Lens Burning Bush. Let me just say that off, <laughs> off the top of my thing. But why don't you talk a little bit to uh, my listeners about about uh, how you got started with it. And I know that wasn't always your, uh, your goal, uh, you know, growing up. Yeah, so um, it's interesting too because I, yeah, I was always an athlete growing up, and but I hated to run, you know. But back when when you knew me, uh, and and I don't know if your listeners know this, but we met at the the record uh, of Hackensack, New Jersey, the newspaper, uh, better known maybe as the Bergen Record. Uh, but back in those days, I remember being trying to, somebody tried to recruit me for the corporate challenge team. And I was like, I don't run, you know, um, I played NCAA soccer and I was the goalkeeper because I hated to run. Uh, and then I was kind of, you know, always searching for that adult sport. And, uh, when I got, you know, when I got out of college and eventually I, you know, started running somewhat haphazardly and I just really fell in love with it. And, um, I found that, you know, getting out for a run before work in the morning, uh, enabled me to be more focused. And, um, and then of course I set my goals on the marathon and I, uh, ran my first marathon in 1997. Um, and I had, about a year before that, started my first nonprofit job, um, which also was something I kind of fell into. I had gotten a certificate in uh, sports and event marketing and wanted to, 
you know, use that. I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I wound up getting a job with Bergen County's United Way in Northern New Jersey. And what I, after I'd been there about a year, I was running the New York City Marathon and I decided to, you know, raise money for them. Um, I had, you know, I didn't know much about charity running or anything like that at the time, uh, but I managed to raise $5,000. And that kind of set my the tone of both my running and my fundraising uh, going forward. I have ever since been trying to figure out how to incorporate my 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 running into my fundraising and my fundraising into my running. Um, so I kind of did that, you know, on my own, sort of as a cheer, serial charity runner for a while, and then. My network started to uh, uh, develop a little donor fatigue, and so I looked at other ways that I could help, uh, you know, charity runners and charity team coordinators, uh, and and everything else sort of kind of evolved from there. And it started as a as a blog post that was sort of all over the place to a very targeted uh, podcast where I have on you know other charity runners that come on to share best practices and promote their fundraisers and charity team coordinators, as well as all the kinds of people that support them. Um, uh, coaches and trainers and uh, physical therapists and, um, you know, running retailers and massage therapists and nutritionists and all of that. So, um, and as far as I know, there's not a lot of people in the charity running space doing podcasts. So, here I am. Yeah, you are. And now, how can <laughs> uh, how can people consume this uh, podcast? I'll I'm going to put the link in the of your website and everything in the description of the episode, so you'll get to see that. Uh, but how can people consume Great, it? Great, thanks. Yeah, it's um it's called the po- uh, the Cause Coach, um, and it's on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now. Okay. Um, hoping to expand on that at some point, uh, little by little. I've only been doing it since January. We we're about um, I think I've recorded about twenty episodes, so. Um, you know, we have stuff up there through the end of May and I have other guests coming on. Awesome. Um, and I'm also, the other thing I'm doing, I just took a, a full-time job uh, working for Mercy Home here in Chicago, which is, um, we are the Mercy Home Heroes fundraising team. We are one of the largest uh, local uh, charitable teams in the Chicago area. We have about 250 to 300 runners running the New York, uh, the New York city, uh, the <laughs> Chicago marathon every year. I am running New York this year. Wow. Um, yeah, for my 25th anniversary of my first New York city marathon in 97. So, uh, but if anybody wants to, they can also go to, uh, mercyhome.org, um, and they can find me that way. That's really the only way people can coach with me now. Um, just cause I have such limited time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're too busy. You're too busy. That's why I love <laughs> you're able to come on the show. Now I know that, you, you know, with, with, with the running and everything, uh, and you, you talk about this a little bit about the fact that people, you know, get into shape and stuff. And how do you, how do you keep the weight down? I would you know, like to know, but apparently there's a new diet out there. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is kind of funny. Uh, a San Francisco man has spent the past year documenting his weight loss uh, on TikTok, he uh, his daily motivation is Taco Bell. Believe it or not, uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris Sandberg went viral on social media for vowing to work out every day as a plea for Taco Bell to bring back the grilled stuff nacho after the specialty item was discontinued back in 2015. Now his journey began in January of 2021, telling followers in a clip: Day one of exercising every day 
until Taco Bell brings back the grilled stuff nacho. And every day since, he shared his video. Uh, this week, he's up to his 473rd consecutive day. Now, listen to this. Sandberg told the Washington Post that he weighed 275 pounds when he began the challenge, and in over a year, he has lost 85 pounds. Good for him. Given up. Now, I know people are very passionate about their certain fast food items. I know the McRib is one of those things where you either like it or you hate it, and McDonald's will bring it up. And but Taco Bell, I'm you know they they probably need to do a, a you know a spokesperson gig here. What do you think? Yeah, well, we all know what happened to the guy from Subway. Yeah. Oh, so. I know. I, I just realized that. <laughs> that would not be good. You're right. But it was good before that, and, and it just got, went off the rails a little bit. But, yeah. you know, I, I think that uh, it's kind of interesting. But to, to lose 85 pounds, and it just proves that, you know, if you just work out and you do whatever, and you could probably lose the weight. And uh, he gave up Taco Bell because they wouldn't do it. And I wonder if Taco Bell is going to respond to this. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, do they do they bring it back and does he start eating it and gain all the weight back? Like that's not going to be a real good. No, it's not. It doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah. So I don't know. But I, I hats off to him. I mean, it does show that exercise. Uh, I think I mean, running is uh, the best way to for people to lose weight. Um, you have to do it right, though. You have to go. You know, a lot of people just go out and just run, run, run and just, you know, practically kill themselves and it's you got to do it a little bit more gradually than that there's everything uh, in moderation yeah and you know the whole thing with 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 diets and exercise is that you know there's so many conflicting things out there and the reason why is because we're all a little different and you know a a, a diet and exercise routine that works for me isn't going to work for you and you know our neighbor down the street so uh, it's really important for people to find the things, but it really has to be, you know, habit changing. You have, you know, you can't like, I don't really, I don't, I mean, I, I don't exercise and diet. I train and fuel. So I look at it kind of differently. And thankfully I've never really had a weight issue. Uh, one funny story though, when I was training for my first marathon, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't, you know, fueling properly. And I just lost a ton of weight to the point where, I mean, I was too skinny. And at the same time, my husband, my first husband was losing weight too. And he says, I don't understand why I'm losing weight. And it was because when I'd make dinner, I'd be so hungry after, you know, running so many miles that day that I would put a little extra food on my plate and take a little extra off of his plate. So he just lost weight based on portion control. <laughs> <laughs> See, you were helping even when you didn't realize it. Yeah. That, that, that is great. Uh, you know, and it's true. It's, uh, portions are important. You, you know, everything in moderation. If you want to eat ice cream, eat ice cream, but don't eat like two bowls of it, right? Eat, you know, a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Just a little exactly. taste, a little, a little bit yeah. of a taste. And you can't, you know, the thing is, uh, some, some of these diets are so restrictive that, you know, so like, the, you know, these 30 days. So, you know, okay, for 30 days, we can sacrifice and do what we need to do to, you know, to meet the parameters of this diet. But on day 31, we're like, oh, thank God. And we suddenly mm. binge eat and we're just back to where oh, we were. So... Well, Everybody I've seen that has done the carb diet, the no carbs, they, they lose a lot of weight. But then what happens usually after is they get back because, you know, it's just one of those things. But that's, that's the bad part, right? You, you should be able to mix in a little bit of carbs and, 
not to give away to to go cold turkey on anything is not a good good idea, right? Yeah, the um the you know the whole no carbs thing too. I mean for for runners, like you need carbs. You're exercising, you need, you know, that's what you burn. So uh, you need carbs. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I have, I, I have eliminated from my diet though, is meat. Oh. I, I do not eat meat anymore. Um, you know, I, I get my, my protein from plant-based, uh, you know, a lot of beans and stuff like that. So now as someone who ate meat before, and now you're eating, uh, you're eating this way, right? It, what's the difference? What have you noticed? Uh, the difference? For you, um, you know, I just I, I feel I feel better. I ha- I feel like I have I recover quicker after. Um, I mean, you do have to make sure that you get enough protein. Uh, but y- when I, you know, so a lot of times people say, "Oh, do you have you know Are you getting your protein?" And I, and I was like, "Okay, so you're a meat eater. Do you really track your protein?" Um, no. And you'd be like, "Yeah." So you'd be surprised at how much protein some plant based stuff has. I mean, look okay. at you know like horses, right? They're pretty muscular animals. Um, and they are, you know, eat a plant-based diet. So, uh, <laughs> and the same thing with cows and stuff, you know, big, huge. So yeah. we, we're, we're fine. Um, I would say one of the biggest differences that I've noticed, um, in, I, I ha- I'm not a hundred percent vegan, but I try to be vegan. So I don't have a lot of dairy as well. And that to me was the biggest game changer. Um, Eliminating dairy, I found I have no more seasonal allergies. I recover from runs quicker, um, you know, because dairy promotes um, like inflammation. So you just you feel better. And and as we, you know, get in, into our 50s and me, yeah. I'm like well into my 50s now, uh, you know, I just feel I just feel physically better. Um, and another big thing, and it doesn't matter whether you're eating meat or, or carbs or whatever is water. You got to drink water. You got, you know, especially as we age, you know, our bodies, um, retain less water. So you need, you know, you need to, uh, you need to stay hydrated. Yeah, I have a, a bottle that, you know, it's a 20 ounce bottle and I make sure that I fill that up three times a day. So I, wow. yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, beer and uh, vodka is not enough water. I would think. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's a little. You get a little credit in there, but you know, they're also, uh, you know, alcohol and caffeine are also diuretics, so you have to, uh, you know. Well, sparingly. I've, I've been doing this this show now for 107 consecutive weeks, which is a. Uh, I should get some kind of award, uh, I guess, yeah, for doing it. But all, great. all the people that have been on have either worked with me or I've had some people that, you know, been referred to or just some people that have come on the show. But I've had um, Heather O'Rourke on a couple of times and you happen to know Heather and I wanted yeah, to yeah, you listen to an episode that that we had together. So, yeah, we were we were uh, chatting before you hit record. And, and I always think it's funny by. Uh, my first husband, who who you knew, um, uh, Chris, he always used to say that in Bergen County, New Jersey, there are only about two degrees of separation. And if you're sitting in a New Jersey diner, you better be careful who you're talking about because the people in the booth behind you know them. Uh, and and when I was listening to uh, some episodes of your podcast and I suddenly saw Heather O'Rourke come up, I Heather O'Rourke is... Um, 
uh, someone I knew in my childhood. She was a friend's younger sister. I was friends with her sister, Holly, and our parents were, were friends. They lived up in the kind of the neighborhood behind where, where we lived um, and my parents' business was. And a funny, funny story about Heather, and I don't know if she's ever shared this with you. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't share it if I hadn't heard her share it on the air uh, in New on New York radio. But Heather was famous in the neighborhood for an accident that she, that she had. She she was a you know little girl got into her mom's car. I guess put the car into neutral, and they lived up on the top of a hill. And so the car went, you know, down the hill backwards <laughs> across the street and like into the neighbor's house. Wow. And the, when I heard that she was a traffic reporter, I just was like, that was, that was, you know, she was, that's, she was where she belonged. At yeah, that point. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's kind of that works out for you, right? I mean, Heather's yeah. wonderful, and uh, we'll probably have her on again. I'll have to ask her a little bit about her driving skills, because hopefully they've yeah. gotten better. Yeah, uh, no, the, and the thing that I remember most about the O'Rourke is that they had these um, uh, two big uh, standard poodles, so you'll have to ask her about them oh. as well. Uh, but, yeah, it is, so, it is funny. And then you were telling me that your, your wife, knew Heather, uh, went to school with her. Right? Yeah. They went to the same uh, high school, actually. They're a year apart. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of a, kind of a fun thing. Uh, that yeah. must've been, that must've been Indian Hills, right? Yes, that is yeah. correct. Look at that. Yep. Look at you. You remember. Yeah, so, but yeah, that, it, it, it is so funny. You just, it's, you know, I mean, we are, uh, you know, we've both relocated. You're in Kentucky. I'm in Northern Illinois and yet, you know, here we are still Jersey. going back to those Bergen County, New Jersey. Oh, well, funny uh, story. I'm, I'm, I'm planning a trip before Memorial Day to go to uh, New Jersey just to see some friends and just kind of mm-hmm. have a good weekend and, and do it. I, I really I do miss the food. I miss the people. Uh, but this is a great place to live. I've been saying it for I've been here 20 years already. And wow. uh, so yeah. uh, it'll be 21 years June. Uh, that I've been in this area and it's, it's been great. Uh, but you know, every once in a while I need a little bit of something, you know, a little pizza, yeah. a little, a little bagel, you know, with schmear, uh, a little bit better than, than Panera. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's it. When, when my daughter and I go back to New Jersey and we go back like once or twice a year because she still has, you know, a lot of friends there. We've only been out here for a little less than four years. Uh, so when we go back, I mean, we don't even check into the hotel and we go get a pizza. Oh, of course. And bring it back to the hotel. Like that is our first meal when we get into town. So I have a question for you. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, I went to Cliffside Park High School mm-hmm. and Vinny's, Vincent's Pizza was the best ever for me. Okay. And there was in North Bergen, there's a place called um, Father and Son Pizza, which if you have ever called them, you'd answer up, it would be Fasan. How much time? <laughs> 40, 40, 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. That's how they would answer the phone, Fasan. Yeah. And then yeah. there was Soul Pizza on Kennedy Bowl or North Bergen. But w- any pizza places that, you know, and of course, I'm going to eat uh, in Ramsey. Uh, I'm going to go to Kinchley's. And that's oh, not okay, really, yeah. uh, that's not like a famous kind of pizza. Just they, they've got like a smaller pizza. But I like that place for different reasons, right? The pizza is wonderful for everything. Yeah, I've, I've been. Yeah, I've I've been to Kinchley's um, a million times, and their their pizza is really good. Uh, but when when we go into town, our uh, local pizza place, and it might be because you know my daughter's friends used to work there, but is Anthony Franco's? Oh, yeah. um, 
they all, they also have a location on on Route 17 uh, in Paramus, um, and I think a couple other locations, but those are the only two I've been to. But you know, they they delivered. You know, they. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you know, in certain places that you live, you get those pizza. Like I said, father and son was the best in North Bergen, and then when I you know, moved a little bit to Fairview, they, you know, obviously Vincent's and, and I, I went back, um, God, this is going back about, uh, 15 years ago and I went back and, and, um, I'm looking, you know, first thing like you guys, we, we, we didn't even check into the hotel, barely got the kids in the van and we're like, we're going to Vincent's right in Cliffside, um, get, get there. And I'm like, I'm looking on the corner. I'm like, where it's not here. I'm like, no, they didn't move. And, and I look over and they just moved across like, they moved literally like next door, but in a bigger place. So I was like, "Thank goodness, I could not deal with uh, yeah. with that." But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get to Vincent's a little bit when I get back because I hopefully they're they're still uh, they're still around and and you can get a good slice of pizza. People don't understand that it's like pizza is one of those things though oh. that it's it's good no matter what. I mean, you can have bad pizza and it still be very good, but when you have very good pizza. Like you go into Manhattan and you can grab a slice at, at a, a local place. People don't understand Every that. Race. You can walk and eat with a pizza, right? It's like getting a yeah. hot dog off the cart, right? You get you can walk and eat. People don't get that. So, Well, my, my dad always used to say that his favorite restaurant was any hot dog stand yes. on, on a street corner in New York. <laughs> so funny, again, another funny story. 2010 brought the kids back. So my son was about nine uh, he was turning 10 and my daughter was, uh, seven and we're in, Man- in Manhattan and we take them around. We saw the, the tree, we walked around, we did all this stuff. And I asked the kids later on, you know, what was their favorite part of the trip? Getting lunch on the cart, just walking and getting lunch on the cart. <laughs> you believe that? Isn't that? And my son, when he got older, it was, you know, the, the price of hot dogs went up. You know, I was like, a, it used to be a buck 50 or something. It was like four something. I, and he wanted several of them. Like, it's not cheap anymore. <laughs> yeah. But well, what, what Chicago has here, we don't like, honestly, I just, I mean, some people love Chicago pizza. It's just not for me. I don't like the deep dish thing. It's kind of, I, I don't know. Um, and then they have this other thing called like tavern style pizza, which yeah. is really like, it would be fine. It tastes great, but they cut it really weird. Have you ever seen how yeah. they cut a t- like it's like in square. So the four pieces that are in the middle that have no crust, like what do you do with those? I know. I don't understand that. They've got yeah, that here with snappy tomato. They like some have the crust on some don't. And I, I, yeah, the one thing about Chicago pizza, I will say this, it is very tasty. But the biggest problem I have with it, it is more of a meal than pizza in New York. Is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's when, not the grab no. the slice and walk down the streets. No, thing. you're yeah. not. You got like all this stuff on it. And uh, I mean, every once in a while, I remember even getting Chicago classic pizza, even in New Jersey, you can get it. But it's, it's, it's again, it's a meal. It's more of a, a thing. But I, I could talk about food all day. I, lo- I love well, the, the one thing that I think Chicago does really great are all these street festivals that yeah. they have, you know, like they have the, the rib fest and they have other, you know, um, street fairs, like every neighborhood chamber has like, it, it's awesome. You know, they just music and entertainment and lots of food and just, yeah. Well, so I can't argue. Chicago, look for the local food, you know, the local food street festivals. Awesome. I love Chicago. I, you know what's a nice city too, and you uh, you've probably been. Uh, I find it to be like a smaller version of Chicago, but a little bit, you know, it, it's it's like less crowded. Uh, Milwaukee, 
Um, I, we have been yeah. from Milwaukee. I mean, actually, it, kind of like where we live in northern Illinois is almost equidistant between the, the Loop in Chicago and and Milwaukee. So we've been up there a few times for concerts, and yeah. and I've been up there with my with my daughter too. And of course, we did a, a race up there. We did. Sure. Uh, Kurt ran the the half marathon up there. Um, I did just did the five k. I guess two years ago. Uh, the pandemic definitely put <laughs> put yeah. some breaks on a lot of our running, but we're getting back to organized racing now, which is nice. Well, that's good, and I give you a lot of credit for doing the running because I, I don't know, 26 miles to run? I have a problem driving 26 miles, never mind <laughs> running, but I give you credit for that, and it's you know fantastic. Keep us posted on all of that. And yeah, well, it, running, yeah. running is definitely a light, you know, especially running a marathon or even a half marathon or maybe starting off if you don't do a lot it, uh, with a 5K. It's life changing. It, yeah. you know, the, it helps your self-esteem and it just sets you it, off. It, of course, though, thing. it reminds me of the scene from Back to the Future 3 where they said running. Is anybody chasing them? <laughs> they run for, you run, run for, does anybody walk anywhere? They, they walk, they run for fun, yep. <laughs> right? You run for yep. fun. Well, uh, you can like. And even look, more yeah. meaningful when you're doing it for charity. So. Oh, of course, of course. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you give for the last time, give, uh, give your website out uh, so people can follow. Again, I will have the website in the description on how you could follow Mary and follow her podcast, The Cause Coach. Uh, but just give that out one more time. Yeah. So the uh, so the website is thecausecoach.net. Uh, you can get links to the uh, the podcast and the blog on there. So um, you know. And then if you want to find me uh, professionally, uh, find me at mercyhome.org uh, and click on the link for uh, charity uh, marathon team. Wonderful. Well, you can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook. Uh, we're on Facebook Live. You can see us. Uh, on Facebook Live at Lens Burning Bush. You could follow along on Twitter Live as well at Lens Burning Bush. Make sure you follow on Twitter also. The YouTube channel is Lens Burning Bush and follow Len Harvey on uh, the YouTube channel there. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, tune in. You can ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush and, uh, you know, get all the episodes, 107 of them. I cannot believe that it's been that long. But, Mary, thank you so much for coming on. I, it's been a treat, and I wish we could go longer. But, you know, we, we could do this uh, for hours. And let's get together uh, soon, maybe in person at some point. We'll figure out uh, maybe I'll come to Chicago. Or if you ever could come here, we could do a little bourbon. Or we could do something. We could figure. <laughs> Sounds good. I'd love, I'd love that, Len. Uh, thank you for having me on. This yeah. has been a lot of fun. It has been. Well, thank you, uh, Mary Connolly. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Len's Burning Bush next week. So long. Len's Bush is burning. It's burning for you. Len's Bush is burning. It burns.